0: Straight to you from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, welcome to Permit to Think, meaningful stories and conversations from the fringe of societal norms. I am your host, Mike Dawes. As a professional fisherman and host, I've spent the last 25 years traveling the far and near reaches of the world. In the beginning, the goal was untouched adventures and wild fish, but I've come to realize that the people I have met along the way and their stories have played a pivotal role in seeking what I'm truly after a quiet mind and time to think. This ride is too short, so I'm gonna start exploring the narratives of the people that have brought me here. I've been told that audio has no rules, so it seems like a good platform for someone who grew up breaking them all. Let's go. Our guest today is Noah Robertson, a.k.a. Scribe2. I met Noah when I moved to the area, and he was the national sales manager at CloudVale. New to the area, I remember being blown away by CloudVale at the time, the product, the people, and the sense of entrepreneurship. Noah moved on from CloudVale to become the national sales manager at Mammut, and was focused on bringing and expanding the brand to the US. In 2004, Noah returned to Jackson Hole and co-founded Mountain Khakis. I remember vividly sitting in Noah's tiny office on Pearl Street at the time thinking, you're gonna make pants? 15, later, 15 years later, all you had to do was walk down the street in Jackson Hole and you could see that the Mountain Khakis catalog on display real time. And I always took notice in airports when I would see the brand and smile. Noah is currently the chief brand officer for the iconic Mangy Moose and is developing a consumer product strategy that celebrates the historic nature of the culture the institution has provided throughout the years. Additionally, Noah co founded NN Collaborative, the other N being Ned Hutchinson, aka The Kraken. Different story, different time. <laughs> True. <laughs> a consulting business on the, uh, in the outdoor industry, consumer channels, product design, supply chain development, branding and sales, and marketing strategy, driven by 50 years of experience. I've always admired Noah as a colleague, friend, and especially a parent, and I've been fortunate enough to be the beneficiary of his wisdom throughout the years. And we've been fortunate enough to embark on many outdoor adventures together. Noah currently resides in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, with his wonderful family, his wife Amanda, daughter Addie, and son Rue, when they are home from school. Without further ado, please welcome Noah Robertson to the show. What's up, Noah? All's well, Mike. <laughs> All's well. Just choking there a little bit. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Thanks for uh, taking the time, man. For stopping by, it's nice to be here.
1: It's, uh, it's nice to be in the uh, the hidden abode.
0: Yeah, first time uh, down down to
1: the new casa. Right? Yeah, to cross the river. I don't yeah. cr- I don't cross the river much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just up up the village road, right?
1: Yeah, I go one direction unless I need food, I guess. Speaking of that, or I don't know,
0: not that, but did you? Uh, Feel the
1: earthquake last night? I did not actually, but um I have a guest staying with me and uh and she felt it and the dog was sort of on high alert apparently. Yeah, it was um I have felt them here before though. I
0: have too, but not like that. At yeah. least at least right here. Mm-hmm. I was sitting right at the desk right there and I thought uh I thought like almost a gun went off. Like the whole thing shook and the computer almost it didn't almost go over but it, it moved.
1: Right. Right. Um, I think I was on the windy mile. I think I was driving.
0: Oh, the windy mile back home. Yeah. (laughs) It's farther than
1: that, right? Uh, you know, I think the, it's, 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 I think it's deceptive. I don't know how long it is or how (laughs) short it is, but, but that's what we call it. Right. Um, well, scribe number two, we
0: should probably address that real quick. Right. I mean, that is, uh, what Well, how, how would you explain your, your role as, as scribe too? separate before we, before we explore your narrative here?
1: Well, I think the, you know, uh, I think that there's a lot of curiosity on what exactly a scribe is for, uh, for what we call the Goomba league, right?
0: Yeah. So fantasy football league, um, Locally here in town. Eventually, maybe at some point, we'll it's get national, all of the <laughs> right.
1: It's national. Yeah. There's we a- got there- SEALs in Florida. We got <laughs> someone else in California.
0: There's another podcast just dedicated to that. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I actually do uh, enjoy trying to describe the scribe roles because there's how many now? I mean, there's.
1: Well, I think that there's, uh, I mean, the nice thing about the Goomball League is that scribes are welcome. It's a, very, it's a very, uh, you know, inclusive group. Yet, I think Goomball is also a very exclusive because <laughs> everybody wants to know a little bit more about it. Um, but you know, scribes' role is really a, a thankless job in some ways. But, um, but scribes take it very seriously, you know, because we need to keep the goons sort of in their thought process that helps sort of take the evening and show some completion of their football teams.
0: Yeah. And, and, and what, what would you say you, you do?
1: <clears throat> I would say that the, uh, <laughs> the, the primary, uh, job description is sticking stickers on a board Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then keeping the, uh, the owners of the, of their teams on a schedule. So, uh, so we can actually get somewhere.
0: Yeah, maybe delivering some penalties, right? I mean,
1: well, I mean, I think there's always, uh, you know, I think the the group is always looking for failure yeah. at some point.
0: <laughs> oh, and I've been there, <laughs> and uh,
1: that that doesn't always work out for the best. But um, yeah. the scribes try to sort of keep control of the mayhem.
0: Yeah, and and before we move on,
1: five total, right? I mean. Four or five? I think there's. I think, I think. think we've dropped off a few. I think there are three sort of primary scribes. You know, if one of those scribes can't make it, then one of the top three have to sort of step in and be sort of the, the CEO of the scribes. Yeah. And then four and five, you know, I think they come and go Part, as they please. Part-time. Yeah, they're part-time. Yeah, yeah. contract not, only. Not full commitment.
0: <laughs> um, well, you know, there's a lot of talk of moving to an auction draft, so the, the scribe world could... Uh... Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I keeping think, keeping track of other people's money. I think there'll
1: be a, uh, there'll always be a place for a scribe.
0: Oh, always, absolutely. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to describe to people. <laughs> uh, what do you mean you have scribes? Yeah, no, we have a traveling yeah crew. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, there's there's a hierarchy too. Um, on the on the last show, as I was mentioning to you just a, just a bit ago, I went I went backwards down the storyline, and I thought that was actually uh, pretty cool. And in thinking about your story and writing the intro, um, I figured we'd start almost with a moment in time because I, I don't know why, but that moment when you and I got together at your office in Pearl Street and you know there was some pants, there was a lot of drawings. Right. It really, it was pretty small.
1: It was very small.
0: <laughs> very small. And I was like, "Wow, this is this is cool," Um, but we're talking about pants, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, pants only. And then, uh, obviously, from there it went. But in thinking about that moment in time, I think it would be cool to start, you know, sit with with sitting in your office and where you were at in the creation of Mountain Khakis. and obviously, there's no doubt that your experience at Cloudvale and Mammut probably played a, a role. And we'll, we'll work backwards to that okay. from there. But um, let, let's start fr- from that moment of time. And so... The creation. The creation, Shady Lady... Right? Shady Lady. um, Which was, you know, for the listeners, was... Was
1: a bar in the Snow King Resort.
0: Yeah, pretty iconic as well, right?
1: Right. We even tried to get a hold of the Shady Lady painting at one time, but (laughs) we we were told we couldn't have it. (laughs) Um, But there was a gentleman named Jason Perry who uh, had started a company called McAllister, which was a uh, kind of a wax canvas sort of wing shooting sort of brand um, anyway he and I sort of bumped past and uh, next thing you know we were talking about pants and he was sort of engaged with sort of the cloud sort of connection to the com- community here in Jackson and how the locals really sort of were a part of the brand and the creation of the brand supported the brand um, obviously in a very different light being a very technical brand at that time um, where Mountain Khakis was really born simply based off of how do you find a good pair of fitting pants in the outdoor industry yeah um and at that time that was not really possible um you know you could maybe find a pair of stand up pants or find a pair of Grimici pants with a fixed belt um but you really couldn't find a waist size and an inseam um and at the same time you know back in the Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was this big sort of trend of sort of, you know, the other canvas pant brand out there that uh, was sort of taking over, you know, college campuses and uh, job sites and uh, people traveling. And, you know, other than wearing denim, now there was another option out there. So we really honed in on sort of what the outdoor industry was. And that's obviously where my background was. And sort of looking at, uh, you know, a category that we thought was being overlooked which was everyday pants that were comfortable. Yeah, um, that you know you didn't have to necessarily buy for a specific activity. There was a lot of versatility, and uh, it was a part of your it was part of your personal brand. You know, when you when you wear brands and you buy clothes or buy equipment, like that's part of your personal brand too. And so we were sort of trying to sort of elevate that in the outdoor industry.
0: And where where was McAllister out of?
1: McAllister was originally based out of Arkansas, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And did they continue or did that merge into... McAllister was, you know, eventually sort of sold off um, through some financing sort of challenges. And um, there's another story of uh, (laughs) losing control uh, all the way around and it sort of vanished.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And... So, from that moment in time, I mean, it seemed to me as an outsider, obviously, that
1: things started to move rather quickly. Yeah, we we made a lot of pants pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, we launched, uh, we did a soft launch in sort of 2004 in three retailers across the country, one in Jackson. One in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then one in Arkansas, um, and sort of tackled the, the holiday season, sort of November, December, and then we launched the brand in February um, at the Outdoor Retailer Show. Um, one of the funniest things about Mountain Khakis, and sort of your, my experience in the apparel and uh, equipment industry, is that you never wanted to become a, like a, an item vendor. Like, you never wanted just to sell one item. Yeah. And that's exactly what we were doing. (laughs) (laughs) We were selling one item. um, But it was a good item. But it was a good item. We launched with three styles, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. A pair of twills and two pair of canvas pants. The original, right? Yeah, the uh, Teton twill, the original mountain pant, and the Alpine utility pant. And um, one of our main successes early on was our ability to merchandise and, and create sort of what we call a POP or point of purchase yeah, sort of display and in
0: making it more of an experience
1: or just making it more accessible really yeah. at the end of the day, like looking at a, you know, like a, a wooden tower that had cubbies in it. And then you just sort of worked your way down to find your size and slid your pant out and yeah, next thing you know, you're trying it on and walking out with it. And so from from that
0: office in Pearl Street, you know how I mean. At that point, right when you, when you're talking about you're at the show, um, and you've got three retailers, there's still two of you
1: at that point,
0: or had you already?
1: No. So we um, so how it sort of all came around was. Now we're digging deep here, but yeah, uh, <laughs> um... no,
0: no need to uh, <laughs> to be completely correct, here.
1: <laughs> right? Um. When I left Cloudvale, Mountain khakis was a concept okay all right <clears throat> with uh with Jason and I like that was a concept and we were we when we were going through a development cycle of design and you know being inspired by other pant brands out there and how we were going to sort of bring this concept into the outdoor industry more impactfully um and then I ended up, um, we had sort of our first sort of financing sort of capital raise fall through and that's when I got offered a job to go work for Mammut. Um, Oh
0: wow. I didn't even know any of that.
1: Right. And so, uh, so I kind of pushed mountain khakis to, you know, sort of the back burner cause I got given this incredible opportunity to go work for a global brand at the time. Um, and who really wasn't. Here, right, Mamu in the U.S. at that time was really just known for uh, climbing ropes huh. and a pant called the Champ Pant, which ironically was the inspiration for uh, the beginning of Cloud Veil vale at the time, which really, which is what became the Serendipity Jacket, which huh. was which was the f- one of the first soft shell jackets ever on the marketplace. Wow, um, the the pant. So it's did. all intertwined, right? But what, what the pant did. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so Mammut used to, you know, like, this uh, is called a shoulder fabric, and it's just a beautiful stretch woven, and, um, anyway, Steve Sullivan, the founder of Steo today, who was the founder of Cloudvale back then, he was really enamored by this fabric, and he thought that it would be a perfect fabric for a jacket.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, we're we're going to get Sully on here. Yeah. One, one of these days. <laughs> I've talked to him about it, but, so...
1: So yeah, so that so all that sort of is morphed into like how I ended up sort of with this mountain cache. So, you know, I'm a sort of a year and a half into my job at Mammoth. I'm in Switzerland a bunch. I'm. Uh, and you know,
0: that took you out of here, right?
1: That 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 took me out of here. That moved me to Burlington, Vermont. And what was that like? Really cold place. Probably yeah. the coldest <laughs> place I've ever lived.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> having uh, spent spent a. Some time in Canton, New York. Yeah, um, I, I can uh, I can agree <laughs> that that was cold. But
1: <clears throat> and that was how long? A couple of years. So I was in Vermont from '03 to '05. Okay, and and uh, sort of 2000 and sort of the end of 2000, the middle of 2004 was kind of when um, Jason called me one day and said, "I have some people interested in investing in our concept, and they want to meet you." Hmm. And honestly, at that time, I'd never thought that that was coming back around. Yeah, and wow. uh, and so sure enough, I uh, you know went to an outdoor retailer show and uh, working for Mammut, and then I met one of our our really our, like our one of our first investors, you know, another co-founder, I guess at that point. Mm-hmm. However, you want to. Uh, intermix the word word (laughs) (laughs) co-founding when you put money in, you become a co-founder apparently has nothing to do with the idea (laughs) um and uh yeah so soon enough you know like sort of gained some momentum and um I said very interested I definitely believed in the concept that Jason and I worked on um I thought these guys brought some pretty good marketing IQ to the team and Sure enough, uh, I said, this sounds great, but I'm not going to be a part of a brand that has Jackson Hole written on the brand and there's not an office in Jackson Hole. Yeah, that's that's what you call smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was really no hesitation on anyone's part on that. If you're going to be an authentic brand and represent sort of the culture and the community that you're inspired by, then um, so soon enough, I was you know i spun out and next thing you know i moved back to jackson in uh, april of 05
0: and uh, okay and then
1: is that when the
0: that, the new office that's
1: was... that's when you saw me in the uh yeah in in the <laughs> in the you know 300 square foot office okay with a sample room in front of it and that was about it.
0: That's right. It was in the, it was in the hallway on the racks. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that right. was,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, that was about it. A dog bed and a desk. That's about all I
0: had. And then how long before the move to the bigger
1: office in Wilson? So we were in that office for about five years. Kraken came in to join me after uh, Cloudvale sort of went a different way. And uh, I would say Kraken came in about year four, four and a half, and he was an integral part of us launching a Tops line at the time. Oh wow! Um,
0: and and so then we're talking. Call it 2010 when you when you yeah, guys
1: call it 2010. You know, once I launched Tops, I stopped playing golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really easy when you had three styles and you were selling yeah. you know, tens of thousands of pants. And and how. What what
0: percentage of the business grew once you got out of the pants? I mean, can you put a? I don't know if I could. I mean, I mean like a rough, right? I mean, did it? I would did you guys s- double then, or did it?
1: I wouldn't say that we doubled our business. Or so, I mean, the pant business is a volume business, right? So the, mm-hmm. I think the you know the rough statistics are you know the average mountain khakis customer owned three to five pairs of pants, and then you got to put a lifespan on those pants, right? Yeah. So, you know, so every two or three years, they were sort of recalibrating their, you know, their purchase of mountain khakis and, or we would introduce a new color or we'd introduce a new fit. And so all of a sudden, like that three to five might actually be, be more like seven to 10. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the tops business for us was a little bit more uh, premeditated, you know, very much down the same sort of philosophies of look. Like, you know, sort of classic and staple pieces, Mm -hmm. not chasing fashion. Um, and that was really kind of one of the, sort of the, like the, the true sort of values of mountain khakis was, you know, be inspired by sort of fast fashion, but, but stay true to sort of this sort of staple and everyday wear.
0: Yeah. I miss the,
1: uh, the Wilson office. Yeah. So then we moved out to the Wilson office there. First tenants in a new building. Um, Trying to think of one that really took place. Yeah, 2010, 2011. Um, I used to I used to love making an excuse just to. I mean, there was a little interim. I, there was an <laughs> office over on Deloney for a little while when I was. Uh, I sort of, I created an office over there and I helped relaunch the brand Powderhorn, which is a whole another story. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't, uh, I
0: forgot about that. That didn't even make the intro.
1: Right. Powderhorn was uh, one of the original ski brands, right? I mean, right. go back to the CB and Jerry days and sort of, you know, the leather Western yokes of down jackets and so forth. So I saw F- Fagan
0: wearing a CB jacket the other night. There you go. CB's yeah. back, you know.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. I uh, have a good friend. Yeah, you should check it out. CBSports.com. No All worry. original items in original fabrics, original designs. That's crazy. So when, you know, all of a sudden you'll see someone wearing you're like, oh, man, how long have you had that? And you sort of, you know. Well, I have to do this now. I feel like, well, <laughs> it's actually brand new. <laughs> 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 you know? um, but it, it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah and I mean that's when we really right there was a lot of I mean we started our guides were getting outfitted in right in MK gear and and that's when you guys seemed to kind of start moving into maybe some technical I mean I'm, I mean still to this or as of you know before I left a couple of years ago it's amazing how many people still would like this is my favorite jacket and it was the black Polar Tech, um, reversible piece. Right. Um,
1: oh, yeah, the uh, the Alpha pieces. Yeah, Alpha. Yeah, Alpha was an amazing, amazing and, fabric. Yeah. Insulation, so forth. The uh, the way that we looked at Mountain Khakis as it grew is that we started to sort of create silos. So we sort of had like a mountain lifestyle collection, mm-hmm. and then we sort of went into this more of a performance collection. But not really making sure that we were not, going like, you know, head to head with the more technical brands out there. Mm-hmm. We, we want to, you know, I mean, you know, we love to fish. We love to hike, love to mountain bike, like to go backpacking. I mean, you, you know, we need certain things to perform a certain way while we're doing the activities that we love. Um, although I would argue as we get older, we get a little more lazy on those things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're kind of like, I didn't really need that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to be out here for 20 hours. I'm only going to be out here for two. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, Yeah, so we sort of created these two silos and sort of uh, and the side and the silos were really sort of driven by activity at that point, right? Hmm. Um, And so we always wanted to make, you know, whether it was a pan or a shirt that could cross over from water to trail to travel. Sure. Um, And those were, and, you know, we also wanted to have a little bit of style. And, and, you know, so whether that was through fit or through color or through prints or whatever it was.
0: Yeah, and it seemed seemed to me like there was definitely a, and me, I, I guess my question is, was it around that time where it went from, you know, seeing mountain khakis with some people, you know, and, you know, spreading it organically. And then all of a sudden, like I, like I said, in the intro, like I'm, you know, in Atlanta, right. And, and like in the airport and seeing it and then literally right around town. I mean, it was like, Every other pair of pants. It's was, pretty interesting. It was and very interesting. I think I mean, the airport.
1: Was... I think the airport sort of, um, uh, you know, analogy is, you know, I, I don't know if you, you know, classify like you've made it when you start seeing your product in an airport, <laughs> um, but I think one thing that we certainly appreciated was just how rapid the brand grew amongst you know our our types of people. Yeah. Um, which was obviously an outdoor type person. Um, but then we also saw a lot of our products, you know, as like the financial institutions and that that whole sort of sector of the world got more casual. Mountain Khaki started coming into that in, into that work environment too, because we did make nice twill pants and we did make some stretch twill pants and we did make some corduroys as well.
0: Yeah, and it's it's it, it was like it could go anywhere. I mean, I mean, I think there was a point in time where it was the only pants, right? I had. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got married in well, those thank pants. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I got married in the pants and I would wear the pants on the way to go fishing. And, you know, so, I mean, it, it really did, um,
1: cross over, but was that about the time of the explosion? I mean, so, I mean, we, you know, when you're a startup and then, you know, have you have a recession, which yeah. was you know oh eight oh nine sort of oh seven oh eight I guess oh nine was kind of the recovery um, yeah so I guess it would have been a little after that so that was uh, that was a little abrupt and that was a hard one to do like you know in terms of um, financing your inventory and being able to sort of manage your growth right mm-hmm. um, and we made some hard decisions along that way you know along that path because you know our business was still you know growing rapidly but you know all of a sudden it sort of Fell off a cliff there, and we sort of had to shrink down. And you know, we as sort of founders and people who were managing the business, I mean, we all took pay cuts, and some of us didn't get paid for a little while. But we wanted to make sure that our employees were getting paid. And so, you know, there were, they, you know, there was three or four months of sort of, you know, the owners and the founders sort of saying, "All right, like, let's make sure that we keep our employees happy. We're going to come through this. You know, our financing capabilities will." you know, again, sort of um, allow us to sort of, you know, recalibrate and go forward. Um, so we came out of that um, pretty lean, which was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, the nice thing about our business is that we were actually making money pretty soon, you know, like, yeah. which I think was, uh, was a good testament to sort of some of our, um, you know, our past experiences of, you know, when you can grow a business really rapidly, you know, some people are like, oh, who cares about profitability if you can show growth? Yeah. Um, you know, for us, it was all about trying to invest back into our business and invest back into our employees and invest into our, our inventory uh, challenges. But uh, we came out of that world and sold, and we sold a chunk of our business to uh, Remington Firearms, which was an interesting uh, time. <laughs> and this is yeah, this post, is a, you this, know, depression. This is, this is yeah. This is 2010. I would say, I would say 2010, um, you know, at that time, Remington was trying to sort of diversify their world from just guns and ammunition. You know, we were kind of low hanging fruit in sort of the outdoor industry as a small sort of lifestyle brand. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was actually a really interesting, uh, time to, and learn about obviously an industry that was totally outside of anything that I had ever been in.
0: And in controlling interest or no? Controlling
1: interest. They did? Yep. Okay. They had a controlling interest. Um, and, you know, that sort of... Uh, that was actually a nice thing, you know. Unfortunately, um, you know, well, I guess it was a nice thing in that we never sort of got integrated into any of their business. They kept us very independent. Left you alone. Yep, they left us alone. In fact, they they utilized us to... Um, we actually developed a line for them called 1816, which was a little bit more of sort of a gentleman sort of farmer's sort of, uh, brand, a catalog brand that was sort of going head to head with, uh, Berettas and the Filson's and, um, you know, much nice, nicer sort of tailored clothes, you know, a lot of European, um, fabrics and, you know, we made a bunch of things over in Europe versus making things in Asia or the U S and, um,
0: should I know the um, what 1816?
1: 1816 is the year that Remington was founded. Okay,
0: wow, yeah, I thought you were gonna I say, think. I thought you were gonna say like some historical thing, yeah,
1: no, um, I just didn't learn, but then you know, <clears throat> I mean, I don't think we need a history lesson here, yeah, but, no, no, but uh, I think the uh, you know, there were some some major events that happened, um, Sandy Hook being one of them. Um, that put a lot of pressure on the Remington business for obvious reasons. I would have
0: never have thought about that. Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, so, and so Remington sort of, you know, they became sort of put underneath the microscope and as a result of that, you know, then they sort of were like, all right, like they had, you know, they had bought a dog brand, they had bought us, they had a knife brand, they had a bunch of smaller brands underneath their umbrella and, um, you know, as part of that, you know, we then got sold off because we sort of had lost our seat at the table for that decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we moved into the private equity world. Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know if you, it looks like you might not want to go down. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a like a true path, but let's just say, you know, pri- pri- private equity, you know, certainly has its has its benefits, but it certainly also has its failures. Yeah. So.
0: And in that kind of time capsule that we're looking at, like, what what are your fondest memories of, of the mountain khakis era? I mean, cause that was a, that was 15 years. I mean, that's a,
1: it was a good run. I mean, we, I think it's the people at the end of the day. Yeah. Like honestly, I mean, we, we made great products, um, but it was the people that made the brand. Um, and it was, you know, the, not only the people who worked internally on the brand, but also our customers. And and they were, you know, when you can build sort of that culture and that community around a brand of that nature that's really inclusive. I mean, one of the things that I stri- I strived for with our teams at Mountain Khakis was really making it an, an inclusive brand, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Cloud Vails and the Mammuts and the art, you know, like those types of brands, like they're obviously inclusive too, but they're very specific to, Sort of like their technical attributes, right? Sure. You know, if you're not like a badass rock climber, like <laughs> why do you really care about you know? Um, you know, so you know, I think that there was a lot of uh, like a lot of things that I learned in those days about like backcountry skiing and alpine climbing and rock climbing and you know all amazing activities that I enjoyed for a, a lar- large chunk of my life. But when we started mountain khakis, it was all about bringing people into it and, yeah. and just because you were, you know, you it, just, because you lived in a city doesn't mean you couldn't be a part of this outdoor brand. Sure. Right. Or just because, you know, you chose a different path from, uh, from, uh, kind of certain level, you know, you were still a outdoorsman. You didn't have to necessarily live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming to be a part of mountain khakis. Yeah. Like that was the point. And, and we don't need to, uh,
0: you know, I, I, what I'm curious about is to whether or not this is just me being brand loyal because obviously with you and Ned and everyone else, right? I mean, there's, there's a relationship there, but we don't need to dive into it. But when the office was closed here, it, it seemed beyond just me, right? I mean, for me, it was simple. I'm loyal you know to the people i know and and that's what brought me to the brand so it's almost like a different sure. different path but i will say it's almost like the town like like the faucet was fucking turned off
1: like Loyal, lo- loyalties right yeah i mean mm. it
0: was it's it, it's kind of i mean in, in thinking about that in a on a bigger picture right it's yeah. do you do you think that's a result of people, that inclusiveness knowing the story or a result of Jackson being at the pinnacle, just like you said in the beginning. I'm not going to put my name on it unless we're there. Right. Um, or, sorry, the name on it. Sure. Jackson, you know, but it, it, it's, a, it's an interesting thing for me to look at because I don't see the pants anymore.
1: No. Well, I mean, there was a big, you know, when my you know my partner and I I mean we were kind of the last one standing and then there was a shift and um, you know basically we got replaced by you know two two more executives that came in and uh, my partner got replaced first and then the writing was clearly on the wall. I yeah. just, I just happened to be in charge of the entire supply chain at that time. And so you couldn't really get rid of me right away. Yeah. Um. But, uh,
0: but you know what I'm saying? Like on a larger, like it, so you build, you build this incredible pair of pants, right? Everyone in the, everyone's wearing them. and, the doors closed to an office, which most people
1: didn't even know where it was. Right. Probably. But
0: then everyone stops wearing.
1: Yeah. Well, I think they, as a brand, uh, they, they diverted, you know, like they, they went down a different path. Um, and they pretty much, uh, removed themselves from the connection of Wyoming (sighs) Mm -hmm. and, um, and that was apparent, obviously from not only a branding perspective, you know, they took Jackson hole off of the brand. Um, but they also more, you know, and then the retailers around here no longer had sort of this affinity towards the brand because sure. the brand wasn't here anymore. Um, and so I think we'll see. I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, really, I, I and know, I'm,
0: I'm not saying like they're you know, good or bad. I just think it's, it's a very, it's, it's such an abrupt shift. I saw it happen with myself. Right. I would say that that's more like along the lines of like, I know these guys. So it's, um, it's
1: a sad story. You know, it's, um, you know, we're not the first ones. Yeah. No, no, We're certainly not going to be the last ones, but, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm still, I mean, when your identity sort of gets ripped out from under you Yeah. and you sort of have to be like, all right, man, like now what do I do? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and you sort of have to sort of think about, you know, like where your self-esteem is and, you know, like what you've learned over the years and, uh, you know, and then you sort of, you say, all right, like it's going to be okay. Yeah. And, and, and the way you go and then you start trying something new and, you know, I think, uh, when you do something for so long, you know, I think we all sort of like, am I still learning, you know, and, I think, we, you know, we have to challenge ourselves to learn and try new things. Um, a- Amen. Yeah. It's easy to be, it's easy to be complacent um, for something that you've done for a long time, but um, yeah, that was, you know, it was, it was certainly abrupt and it was certainly disheartening at times, but, um, sure. but at the same time, uh, I think it was also sort of helpful and sort of, you know, how I'm looking at things today.
0: Yeah, absolutely and and you guys did a hell of a job well
1: thank you you did you were a big supporter so we so we appreciate it it. uh, it and i'm sure i'm not going to tell you that most mountain gankies items that you have today yeah aren't made anymore (laughs) (laughs) so there's there's some novelty you know absolutely (laughs) well let's
0: um let's go backwards so cloudvale (laughs) you you started there late late
1: 90s right 90 Clavel launched in 96 97 and I was one of the fir- very first employees in 1998. And was that So you
0: Ohio Wesleyan 94? 94.
1: 94 yeah. and then straight here? No, I moved to uh, Wow, we we're, we're digging deep now. Yeah, right? we're like, going we're going geez. backwards. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Um, the, uh, let's see, I made a little run. I lived in Oregon for a little while, worked for REI out in Portland, Oregon. I didn't know that. No. Uh, before that, I took, I bought a one way ticket around the world for $2,500. Wow. I don't think you could do that today.
0: I don't think they exist anymore. <laughs> right. Um, can't even get to Florida for. Fucking
1: yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I found myself out in the Northwest in sort of 96, uh, okay,
0: well, I'm, I'm actually going to rewind here for a second. So, yeah. so Ohio Wesleyan straight into the around the world ticket?
1: No, Ohio Wesleyan into trying to find a job. Okay. Um, in Oregon? No, in, but no. in uh, sort of Boston on the East Coast. Okay. One of the coolest job interviews that I had was for a little farm called Stonyfield Yogurt. Really? No, well, that, that, that was a cool one. Why I, was it so cool? Because it was literally a farm and today it's a, you know, today it's like one of the most recognized dairy, (laughs) dairy products in the world, you know? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, And did it go well?
1: (laughs) They didn't, you know, they didn't want the liberal arts kid. (laughs) 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 Um, That's great. Yeah. Pretty funny. But, uh, you know, I think in those, you know, whatever I, you know, when you graduate from college and. You know, you go interview for. Let's see, I've interviewed for Swix, Trek, Reebok, Dales of Norway sweaters, no way. Solomon. What else? Uh, is this is this all over the place? This is all like within like the Massachusetts, like, okay, sort of, sort of Massachusetts, sort of like the New England sort of corridor. You know, yeah, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. Um, Toms of Maine, awesome, great company um anyway you In, know.
0: interesting fact there um tom yeah was my father's roommate
1: okay yeah tom chapel he's an eccentric dude for sure
0: yeah that's a. it is i i remember going we used to go up there yeah to that um factory like maybe not every
1: year but i, I was there quite a Ken, bit kenny Bonk, Maine, i believe yeah yeah um yeah it's so of, i couldn't uh, you know for some reason at 22 years old i couldn't get a job yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh so i sort of struggled my way through that for a little while avoiding the financial services business oh I, I, industry. Had a, yeah,
0: I had a short stint there
1: and uh so i finally sort of sucked it up and said i can get a job in that business no problem i mean my mother's a banker and my father's a banker. I grew up in Boston. Yeah. I'm like this sounds horrible. I, yeah. had a, I had a lot of friends in Boston at the time and uh so I took that on, you know, but I never moved into the city. I refused to move into the city. Yeah. So, you know, I would get up and I'd get up at 5:30 and go striper fishing and then I would, you know, get in my car and drive into Boston by by 8:30. I, you know, I'd be exhausted by about three o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. when when
0: did the around the world ticket come in? So account? I
1: did that I did that world for uh, I did the financial services and mutual fund world for six months. This and is, I and can't I, I, said, I never even knew this. Get me the fuck out of here. Because I did
0: it in Denver for for Invesco.
1: Yeah. So uh that's kinda when I was like I had my old high school roommate called me and he was like, I'm going around the world, you wanna come? I said, one hundred percent I am in. <laughs> twenty five hundred dollars i think it was 12 stops in one direction no way yeah and what what were the stops well we went l.a. to new zealand we went west smart yeah new zealand australia surprised you got out of hong kong indonesia
0: i guess you had to keep going
1: (laughs) well yeah you had to go all the way around um but I ended up, uh, so yeah, so New Zealand, Australia, Indonesia, as far as we could go East Indonesia, where we could fly back yeah. <laughs> without taking another boat, like a death boat ride. <laughs> um, and then, you know, walked my way across the border up from Singapore and Malaysia and to Thailand and actually in Thailand I ended up, I ended up working, uh, for um, for a company that was affiliated to Chilwanki, if you remember, Chilwanki Camp, Chilwanki up in Maine. Um, yeah, and I uh, ended up working in sort of developing and teaching, sort of environmental science to Thai children and Thai teachers and, no and diplomat, and then blending the diplomatic, like the the English speaking schools. So, so how
0: long was this? How long was the the globe? The run? globe was,
1: I think it was about 10 months, 10, 11 months. Wow, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it was a good run. That is. Life was simple back then.
0: Yeah, mine was only like three months or two or three months. Um.
1: Yeah. What I'm, was your favorite? I st- want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Uh, what was your favorite stuff? You know, I think it's hard to sort of really... Pinpoint my favorite, but I but I will say, I mean, I lived in Thailand for uh, a little over like around three months, and and what part? You know, well, I was in Bangkok, frankly, yeah. and uh, I was in Bangkok in a time when people went from like riding bikes to riding ninjas, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and the taxi drivers and building overpasses and. But the river, you know the Chowry River is kind of the lifeline of the country mm-hmm. and um, and actually we lived on the river. so we were mainly using the river as sort of our as part of our sort of classroom <laughs> um, and you know I think just being in a culture and in in, in you know immersing yourself in it versus just traveling through it yeah was like was really sort of uh, impactful on me you know it, like I, I learned a lot about um, you know, the culture and the religions and, um, you know, Buddhism was super powerful and, you know, I saw, I was a part of, you know, I'd go up into these villages with people that I had met to do like the, I think it's like the hundred, the hundredth day of death is like a huge celebration. Hmm. Um, so what year is this? This is, this is 90, 95, 96. Okay. This is it... like, this is like August of 95 okay to you know like may of yeah i was, may, gonna, I was just, just wondering if
0: we crossed paths and didn't even
1: because I, I was over there a little bit later but um, um yeah so i came back from that world yeah <clears throat> sort of uh you know tried to rekindle you know with the with, you know with the old girl yeah yeah that didn't really work out <laughs> and um just you know new england just was not working for me at that time dawsey yeah like i just I uh, you know next thing i knew i went out to Seattle and Portland for a friend of mine's wedding and I came back and I'm like, I'm out of here. Like I'm moving to the Northwest. Yeah. And that's, you know, I had some friends living in Portland at the time. And so I, uh, so I packed my car and drove to Portland, Oregon, worked for REI out there. And then I started teaching outdoor education with, um, the, uh, the public school system. They had a bunch of camps up on Mount hood. And so, um, sort of was teetering and playing around with sort of that, outdoor education sort of instructing world.
0: Yeah. And then
1: had the job before you moved here or I uh, moved here. And then, so my lovely wife, Amanda, she and I, we weren't married at the time, but we, uh, she, she was a teacher and we took a job working for a company called America's adventure and America's adventure was, you know, basically a teenage adventure trip, um, Mm -hmm. program. And, uh, she went to Hawaii and I did a trip leading teenage adventure kids in, uh, Colorado and California and Utah. And, um, anyway, in this time in my life, I kind of was like, all right, I want to get back into like the business side of it. I'm not going to be, I I just wasn't going to be an outdoor educator. Yeah. And, um, so I came through Jackson. My wife family lives in Missoula. We had a dog up in Missoula. So I came through Jackson on my way up to Missoula from Denver and I bumped into some old, some small friends. And then I ended up bumping into a woman who i lived with in Thailand. No way. Um, and she asked me what I was doing and I was like, well, you know, I have an interview with this little company called Wyoming where I'm going over to Sun Valley to talk to Smith and, uh, And she goes, you need to talk to my friends who just started this brand called Cloudvale. And I was like, that's funny. I was up at Moosley Seconds the other day after, you know, being in the park and I saw like this really cool piece. And, uh, I literally looked in the phone book, looked at their address and walked through the door the next day. No way. And, uh, luckily they were looking to hire somebody. Uh. But they didn't really know that yet. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And uh, you thought my first office was uh, was a dungeon? <laughs> like this was actually in the basement. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's. I mean, you know,
0: when I first got here, I just remember, I mean, that was probably, I don't know, maybe Cloudville had been around for three years or, yeah, but it was definitely gaining momentum pretty quick at that time. And that had to be a... And there had to be some great, great lessons learned there. I mean, it seemed like a kind of a, a crazy ride in the sense that that same sort of explosion, right? Entrepreneurship just, yep, just went.
1: It went, and it was, it was amazing. I mean, being able to be a part of something so early. I mean, we literally had eight styles and young, right? I mean, everyone was pretty. Um, yeah, I mean we're all sort of in our sort of mid to late twenties. Yeah. Know? I guess we're kinda I guess I was yeah, maybe I was, yeah, twenty six, twenty seven. Um, you know, he's so probably early thirties. Brian and I were the same age and uh yeah, man. I mean we literally you know, I learned everything from, you know, how to do a pattern to, you know, sketching out designs to ordering trims to how to manufacture it to building sales programs to, you know, catalogs to, I mean, we used to literally drive an old beater truck down to a garage, you know, that, you know, one of their houses and pick and pack. Yeah. You know, that's p- pick and pack and ship. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Right out of a garage. That is awesome. Um, so, yeah, i am been very grateful for those that time in my life and, um, you know, that that obviously got me here. I mean, I moved to Jackson to work for those guys. Yep. Um, you know, I wish I was a ski bomber right out of the gate, but yep. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I got to play outside playing. Yeah. Um, but, you know. I mean,
0: I, I imagine that was a pretty, given what you guys were making and the
1: age, right? There was still little little work hard, play hard. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was... Taking advantage of our surroundings, right? Whether it was yeah. winter or summer. Testing the shit. I mean. Testing and, you know, I mean, th- th- those are the days when... I mean, you literally have to say, like, I mean, Cloudvale honestly invented the softshell category. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they would necessarily say it, but I-, I will say that for them. I mean, yeah. we literally sold a jacket that was $200, $200 plus, that was not windproof, was not rainproof, and we were convincing people that this was the jacket that they needed.
0: Yeah. So Well, I don't know if you remember this, but that was like my first intro to CloudVille, obviously, was everyone was wearing it around town, but then we had this weird opportunity where we finagled our way into this ESPN...
1: Um or like the world championship of fly fishing or something? Well, yeah, but
0: it was like, it was, I don't know how we got in there because it was Sims, Powell, Sage. Um, and then you got a world cast. <laughs> <laughs> I literally remember sitting at the par and someone being like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> right. Um, And, but you guys, uh, I still have it. You guys sponsored us. Relic,
1: dude. Hold on to that thing. Yeah,
0: it was a. It had a big, big logo on the back, and it was lime green, and it was
1: that exact. Yeah, the serendipity material. Yeah. Um, one of the best jackets ever made,
0: and and not to mention then, right? Like, I think Atwell was one of the guys who was like, <laughs> "Who are the? What are these guys doing right. here?" Yeah, I I believe that. And then you know down the line he ends up, you know, he was at yeah he wrapped it for Speed. a while yeah yeah.
1: With, um, he was repping it with Kraken when they were making fishing gear.
0: Yeah. That was amazing. And that that um that was another probably pretty fun culture, right? I mean the work hard, play hard. Hundred yeah.
1: percent. Yeah. That was um yeah, that was kind of the first sort of, you know, how how do you balance like your mental health and work hard? You yeah. know, and, and um And so, you know, like being in sort of the natural environment, being outside, but also like, you know, really promoting activity. Right. Yeah. Um, And I mean, the outdoor industry is just an incredible um, uh, group of people, right. All passionate about the same things, um, driven, you know, I mean, people want to be sort of, you know, business savvy, but they also, you know, choose sort of a, uh, a balance in life where, you know, they get to go do what they like to do outside. And then at the same time, they get to be a part of, uh, you know, an industry that sort of supports that. And then, you know, there's obviously a business component to it as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed, it, and, and I guess I'm getting to a common theme here too, where there, you know, whether it would be Sims or Tarpon, where I love that brand cloud veil, um, mountain khaki's steel, right? There there's a com- there's definitely a theme in this town and the outdoor I mean the outdoor space. I mean you you wouldn't put that many brands being kind of you know created in such a small environment. I, I mean I don't know where else. I mean maybe maybe I mean I think I, you I can
1: don't. I think you can find I mean I think Jackson might be unique and some level on that. I mean it's obviously a an incredibly beautiful place, yeah. and people certainly get after it, right? But um, I think we'd be naive, naive to think that there aren't special places out there. That oh, oh yeah, you no. Know, so like, uh, I mean, if you think about you know the U.S., I mean, certainly like places like North Conway and Burlington, Vermont, and the Rangeley Lakes area up in northern Maine. You know, like, and then you know, Colorado is a beautiful you know place with awesome mountain towns, and the Northwest is remarkable, and you know. <laughs> So I don't know what it is. It's it's actually an interesting uh Well, and, and, I'm, and I
0: totally agree with you, but I guess where I'm going is per capita, right? Like Yeah, yeah. You got, I mean, at that point, probably 5,000 people.
1: I was going to say, how many people <laughs> lived there then and how many people live here now?
0: Yeah, I mean, right? Probably, I mean, it does take a wild guess. I would say 5,000 people. Don't
1: pay attention to the signs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's without the half and half, right? Like that's... But I don't know. I, yeah, find, I would I find say, it interesting. you know, in
1: the late '90s, yeah, Jackson was probably you know five to seven thousand people yeah. who lived here year round, and now that number is probably twenty.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a geographical connection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 100% agree with you. Right? There's, I mean, I find beauty and. I mean, I went to Austin for the first time this year, right? I've never been there. I want to check it out. Yeah. It's well talk
1: about a place that's growing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) crazily. but But what a cool culture and like music. Exactly. Um, but you know, alcohol and yeah, just amazing. Yeah. And you can go surfing in Austin. Really? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think there's like a man. made Oh oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was going to say like, maybe I was in a different,
0: um, but yeah, I don't know. I find it interesting. Um,
1: it that, is interesting. I, I would agree. I think Jackson's unique in that. I think I think Jackson has a pretty cool incubation, yeah. for like you know creativity and, and entrepreneurship for sure. And
0: was there anything about um, the move, the Mammut kind of little short shorter stint? I mean, you, you said you, you spent a bunch of time in Switzerland, and I mean that had to be kind of wild. As
1: yeah, well. I um I think in. I don't know. I kind of wish that I was able to, I mean, such a cool experience and such a, such a part of, um, just learning about, you know, importing and exporting, you know, like pride versus pride, you know, Americans versus Swiss. And, um, you know, like the rigid culture versus a more relaxed culture at times. Um, and I do think that a lot of the strategies that me and uh, my boss at the time that we sort of were creating was trying to break down that barrier a little bit. And really, um, and, I, and and when I look at sort of where Mahmood is today and how successful they've been in the U.S. market, um, you know, I, I firmly believe that a lot of the things that we, I worked on for those two years was like the beginning of that.
0: Yeah, because they've gone, I mean, you, so, so before you went to Vermont, you're, you were saying that they were primarily like ropes company here?
1: The, yeah, they, are, they make or, ar- arguably the best climbing rope in the world. Yeah. Um, they didn't really have a distribution in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They ended up buying this company called Climb High, which was based up in Burlington, Vermont. Climb High was a, uh, was a, a, was a distributor of climbing equipment. So mm-hmm. really a distributor of European climbing equipment. Um, but very like hardcore climbing, right? Like I'm talking harnesses, carabiners, ropes, like they were a distributor for, for the European brands. Sure. So Mamut ended up purchasing them and then sort of infiltrated with their thousands of products at the yeah. time. And you know, like the U S market was just not ready to take on what Mammut was in Europe at the time. Gotcha. You know, I mean, they were snow, they were Alpine. Um, and then they were lifestyle to, to, to a degree. So, you know, part of our, our job at the time was, you know, I was sort of brought in to sort of build out the sales strategy and how we were going to sort of address the U S market. But the other component of my job was how we were going to create a collection within. So let's just use round numbers. Like, let's say they had 200 styles of clothing. Mm -hmm. I don't need 200 styles of clothing in the U S market. Yeah. I need like 50. Yeah right cuz i need to build my imprint and like build confidence that we're going to deliver it that the quality is good uh, make sure that the color stories work um so you know like their product coordination and i was also part of the design team over in Switzerland which is why i used to go back there a bunch to sit in these design meetings to make sure that they were sort of addressing the us market correctly versus the european market yeah um so i learned i learned a lot i mean the Scandinavian countries were you know it was like the the UK and the Scandinavian countries, like they were very in tune with sort of what was going on in the U S and that's where they gravitated towards from a sort of styling and design perspective. You know, the German markets were just German, you know, like they just, they, you know, like they wanted something very different. And so like, there was always this kind of push and pull on that front. But, um, but it's just a vast business, right? I mean, yeah. But they, it had to be such a cool
0: experience. I
1: mean, it was amazing. And yeah. then snow safety became a category that we like were really became a leader on. In and, and today, Mammut's one of the leaders in snow safety with the berry Box and the you know the avalanche packs and. That's all Mammoth? I mean, they're a portion of yeah. it for
0: sure. But uh. But it's all part of the conglomerate,
1: or. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they they are very strong in that side of of, of the industry. Yeah um yeah it, it was it was cool I so you know back to you sort of your question was you know it was a short stint yeah but it was a short stint that yeah I mean part of me was you know should I have stayed with this more <laughs> secure <laughs> sort of you know sort of economic beast but you know at that time in my life like, it was time. To, it was trying to. It was time to try to do something on my own, you know, with with the right people, and sort of take that leap of faith and see where it went. Yeah, and and see if you know those, and just sort of see if, see what would become of it, you know.
0: Yeah, that's such a. Uh, it's such an intuition based. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, you know, as as someone that just, you know, find myself and you know just left my, long, run. Right. I mean, that was a it's an intuition kind of move. I mean, and I I don't I don't necessarily know exactly what's next. But I mean, you you, you, there was probably something that you maybe hadn't fully realized, but you were you were going to go down that path one way or the other, which, you know, brings us back to where we started. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's um, pretty interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, it was a good – yeah, it was – I think being able to, you know, take that chance, you know, or take that risk and live with it. And who knows where it's going to lead, you know? Like I I had no idea, but I certainly believed in what we were doing and believed in the concept, and then it sort of proved its way out and then got more complex with other factors that came into the business. Mm -hmm. You know, some of those things you can control and some of them you can't.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, those are three, like – you know three examples of being in a outdoor you know space garment space whatever you want to call it right when
1: it's very new i mean so yeah i guess yeah, they i mean i <laughs> mean certainly wasn't a startup company but but here but in the us it was very unknown yes yeah unless you were a core you know, alpinist or rock climber. Well, I guess,
0: again, comparing yep. it to yep. what, like, Mahmood is in the U.S. today.
1: Oh, yeah. They're a full-blown, beautiful brand making everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Definitely.
0: Permit to Think is brought to you by Off The Grid Studios. Everyone has a story to tell. Let these guys and gals tell yours, especially if the unconventional doesn't scare you. Off the gridio, Off The Grid... Studios.com for more information. Also brought to you by Ironbound Media, a veteran-owned media company that creates, distributes, and grows podcast series for brands and organizations. Head on over to ironboundmedia.com for more info. Also brought to you by GuidePointer, GuidePointer is a web-based software that gives your guiding service all the tools you need to manage business. I personally helped develop this software for 20 years and would have never been able to do my job without it, period. GuidePointer is a part of the Romeo Bravo software company. More info, head over to GuidePointer.com. All right, we're back here. So then let's uh let's fast forward and um, so post MK and then now into uh, what is going on in your world today because the little glimpse that I got the other day seems like a lot <laughs> and it's it's uh it's cool because it it seems to me like there's a lot more learning definitely and um, you know you're dealing with uh, I mean I think I told you at one point in time like you know, Christmas, New Jersey, um, Christmas morning, I, I open up the shirt, you know, underneath the tree and it was the, the mangy moose saloon, you know, t-shirt for my sister had no fucking clue what it was or had never been to Jackson.
1: This is recently. No, no. This is when 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 you were a kid. Yeah. yeah,
0: This is like, I mean, I must've been, I don't know, 10. Right. And, um, I was like, this is cool. And obviously, you know, fast forward. Here we are. It it seems to me like, uh, I mean, obviously I want to hear more about everything you've got going on there. But also, um, it seems to me like it's one of those iconic places. So it may be a little different in the sense that the actual establishment is there. But the growth around it could be absolutely endless I mean again going back to like being a kid didn't even know what Jackson was but I knew that this mangy moose you know saloon shirt was was fucking cool
1: right it's a loose place you know what they say (laughs) getting loose in 67 is one of our taglines it's interesting it's certainly a it's a it's a new endeavor um but it's pretty damn exciting actually yeah and it's uh it's so different than anything i've ever done um so you know we sort of have this like we have this brand i mean we're talking about when you were 10 years old yeah i mean it was a brand back then but there's never been any consumer products sort of affiliated with it other than you know the saloon and, and and the restaurant yeah um and so you know how do we sort of look at that and sort of how do we celebrate that, right? I mean, we have there is a Mangy Moose up in Freeport, Maine, that we license uh, our name to. I mean, actually, there are a lot of Mangy Moose's out there. Which, really, which, um, which I, you know, you know, we have to address that eventually. <laughs> but uh, but the reality is is that you know we are the Mangy Moose establishment and we own the brand and we own the trademarks to it all. So, um, you know, we are. Figuring out a way to sort of create this, and I think like with any of these hospitality businesses, right? Like they all ebb and flow, mm-hmm. right? Well, one thing that no one, no one, in, no one in Teton Village, which is where the main Moose is at the base of Jackson Mountain Resort, you know, like you could use social media to like drive people through your door. Like we don't have that that problem with people coming through our door. Yeah, You know, I mean, if anything, we have to manage that more, you know, a little bit better so people can have a nicer experience than just a jam-packed bar all the time. Yeah. Um, but it is this, uh, you know, it is this sort of iconic place that was built in 1967, you know, basically the same year the resort opened. Um, it honestly hasn't changed too much. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was an addition on, onto the building in sort of the late, in the late nineties, um. But the bar and the restaurant, you know, it's like this sort of collection of memorabilia. I don't know when last time that you were in there, but it honestly hasn't changed much. And it's like preserve and protect and celebrate, right? Yeah. So like <clears throat> the, 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 the mode right now is to celebrate the Mangy moose.
0: Yeah. And so what, <clears throat> what does that look like for you? I mean, you, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, there's, there's a lot.
1: Yeah. So we, yeah, we, I mean, we have a few things going on, but um, I mean, you know, we just did a whole new branding exercise. Mm-hmm. Right. So we sort of took this sort of 50 plus years of sort of, you know, this sort of, you know, this eclectic sort of branding that really had no rhyme or reasoning or anything. So like, so one of the first projects that I did was sort of take all of that sort of all that historical art and creative and sort of make it into sort of like, how are we going to evolve this, but not forget where it came from. Mm-hmm. So I think we achieved that, you know, I'm sure, you know, but it's um, and it, that was a fun process because now I have all this. And now I have a catalog of like all this old artwork. Yeah, that's and so you know, like I want to, I want to bring that back at some point and like create like a limited edition of the old mangy moose with ski goggles on or something. Yeah, you know. um,
0: Well, this hat is fucking cool.
1: But the uh, yeah, so I think it's you know, I mean, so it's like getting the so there's so there's an apparel sort of move, you know. Mm -hmm. So how do we how do we sort of create sort of apparel? Like I don't I don't think we're gonna do custom apparel by any means, but. Um, but we, but we might, you know, like it might be kind of fun to do like a, a denim shirt or or a flannel one day. But for the, for the moment part, it's, you know, it's about, you know, sort of showcasing the graphics and, you know, the main, people come to the Manji Moose they probably whack back a few cocktails. Yeah. Maybe they take down a you know, a slab of bison. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and next thing you know, they want to uh they're like, this place is amazing. Like they listen to a band, like we got the music sort of back. Yeah, deadlocks. Deadlocks right? is coming. Yeah. yeah we just had bivwack. Tomorrow. We just had bivwack play. Oh, wow. Um so we're putting an emphasis on sort of like get bringing the means you move sort of back to sort of like what it was like in terms of just this sort of, uh, this cool hospitality experience. And at the same time, you can pick yourself up a hat or a sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, so that's one component. Yep, You know, like we don't, so, you know, we're also about to develop a whole new e-commerce strategy and sort of try to get that out there and build our database and build our house file and, um, the stories in the Mangy Moose are remarkable.
0: Yeah, that's what that was where I was gonna go. Because I, mean, I I it's amazing you can, you can go any direction, and
1: and they'll be like, yeah, no, my buddy used to work at the Moose there in Jackson. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's it's remarkable. Quirkable. I mean, I am I am an outsider who's like in you know I don't deal with the hospitality side of it too much, but I'm there and I'm working there, you know, and yeah. I'm, I mean I you know I definitely. need I need people to be excited about what I'm doing, so I'm getting to know people that have worked there for 10, 15 years. Or I have people coming out of the woodwork being like, oh, man, I heard you're working at the Mangy Moose. I used to work there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so, like, there's just these stories of just people just coming. I mean, people want to know what's going on at the Mangy Moose. Yeah. It's pretty pretty cool.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting is on um, the last show I did, we were talking about – how it would be a pretty cool thing to do with the kind of the, the Burton family tree. I was, I was talking to, you know, John, yeah, right. John Yusko that worked at, uh, um, Burton for a long time. And it would be interesting, you know, something, something to parallel that, like to go back and kind of do a, you know, I mean, all of these characters, right. Who started, you know, the moose at the pinpoint and then where, 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 where they are, are they today. now? Yeah. I mean, I remember Darren Calhoun, you know, over on the wind. Yeah. I mean, that was like my first question. You know, I was like, well, how?" he's like, I, I was in Jackson. I was like, you he, yeah.
1: I mean, he literally used to work at the Miss. Yeah, he used to wash dishes. And I, I was uh, like, oh, no, shit. I just learned that this past weekend when I was over in Thermop. Really? Yeah. I literally... I learned that Darren used to work at the main, and I don't even know Darren, but I'm like, there's another example of like another person.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he's now, yeah, I mean,
1: created this amazing, yeah. you know, business on the reservation. It's amazing. The, uh, yeah, the moose has a lot of skeletons and, <laughs> and a lot of, uh, and and a lot of things to celebrate. And, um, it it's almost synonymous with the town. I mean, it's, well, for, for a town that's changed dramatically, yeah. as, as you and I both know, you know, every, every place has changed, right? There are yeah. just more people in the world. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Beautiful places and great places, people are flocking to. I get it. Yeah. Um, but when you look at sort of the establishments in a, in a small town, there, there aren't many left that haven't been changed. And, yeah, and, that's and, a great point. And the Moose is one that is, again, back to... I, you know, back to celebrating it. And yeah. So, but you know, we have to evolve. Like the business has to evolve.
0: Yeah, and that that kind of goes to uh, I don't I don't know if you can even talk about this, but I will. <laughs> but oh, I can talk about it. Can I mean you've got some cocktails in in route, right? Yeah.
1: So we uh yeah we're we're a uh, we're about two weeks away from having a hundred cases of the famous Mangy moose Spicy Marg in a can. Oh wow! It's going to be an RTD, a ready to drink, as they say.
0: And is the alcohol have to be, I mean, it has to be regulated in that right? So there's like a whole nother element.
1: There's, I mean, literally dealing with the 21st amendment that was, I think established in like 1931 or two or something. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, sort of divergence that I've been dealing with on sort of learning about the, uh, you know, the spirit world and, and sort of the laws around, around alcohol. Yeah. Um, which we have a few obstacles for sure. But uh, at the same time, I think we're going to solve it. And, you know, right now we're focused on Wyoming and sort of like doing our sort of grassroots sort of entrepreneurial approach and getting people excited about it. And then, you know, our goal and our strategy is to, you know, and then sort of disperse ourselves into the Rocky Mountains and then, you know, disperse ourselves into areas where, you know, geography where people... Like you know, people who have a connection to Jackson Hole and people who know what the Mangy Moose is and the next thing you know, they'll be drinking our spicy margarita can. Yeah, and that's only one of the you know products that we're sort of developing. So, you know, the goal is to certainly have a you know a larger breadth of products.
0: Yeah, it has to be a. Um, I mean, I know it's probably it has to be challenging, but at the same time, it's got to be somewhat refreshing to enter into a space that. Is wildly new in that capacity.
1: Uh, yeah, it's you know it's a um, heavily regulated. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and every state's different, um, but I think that there's you know the interesting part of it is it's it's obviously a volume business at the end of the day too. Mm-hmm. So um, you know I think that we're like we are committed to it for the long haul and. But there's no like there's not an enormous rush for us to go out and you know sell as many cases as we can tomorrow. Sure. What we want to do is get the product right, get our community excited about the product, you know, add another product or two into our arsenal, and then we can start talking about like what a real distribution strategy is. Yeah, and it and it also has
0: to be exciting. I mean, it, it has to be capitalize to the extent right because i don't think that's going to change i think people that come to jackson and ski and even the village
1: now in the summertime right i mean they're gonna two very different seasons at at the at the mountain resort but um yeah i mean the mangy moose like if you're in jackson and you're going skiing or you go for a hike in the park and yeah what better place to go than to like you know tell about your stories of the day or, you know, laugh at yourself or your friends and your family. And like, that's what the mangy miss is. You know, it's yeah. A, and I it's guess a place to reflect.
0: Yeah. And I guess, I guess what I'm, what I, where I was headed was it, it, it could afford you to be able to make some mistakes and try new things as opposed to be in that, like, you know, pivotal, pivotal startup component where like you can only make, you know, so many right. mistakes before you're fucked
1: right well I think that's the uh i mean that's an interesting point um I'm not sure I'd, i'll tell the owners that <laughs> but the uh but I would say that you know the hospitality side of the business is very solid yeah so that gives me you know uh you know maybe a little bit more sort of scope to play around with the branding concept
0: yeah yeah well I mean I think a lot of things are bred out of uh Um, trying new things and you know, there's probably going to be some, you know, if the more you try, right. The more, the more you think out of the box, there's probably (laughs) not all going to win.
1: No, no. And no, it's cool. I mean, one of the things that I've sort of thought about is, you know, I've spent my (laughs) career like building brands, right? Yeah. I already have a brand here absolutely so now i just have to now i have to figure out how to create the right products that people are attracted to that you know allow them to sort of be like oh man i was jackson here I you know i brought here son i bought you a t-shirt it's like the mangy moose i mean yeah. that's like that's simple it's enjoyable and it's and it, and it and it means something right absolutely and i think that that's kind of how i look at you know sort of like how do you how do you bring the mangy moose in other people's households and it just needs to be simple and fun at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And it's uh, right now I'm reading this book um, called From Strength to Strength. And it's very, uh, I'm reading a bunch of books, but I just, I literally read an article in the Atlantic um, that this guy, Arthur Brooks, wrote. And he's, the, the main part of the book is, the gist of it is that the decline, the, the work decline comes. Way sooner than we know.
1: As humans,
0: yes. Uh, In terms of like, and and it and it depends. The only category that actually benefits with age is professors.
1: The rest, because that's wisdom, I guess, right? Exactly.
0: And the rest of it, like you, you know, we we think maybe. You know, here I am in the fishing world trying to build, a, you know, an outfitter from the ground up. Like, I could do this until I'm, you know, 70. Right. Well, actually, you're going to peak, you at know. 50? No. Oh, you're going to peak it. it. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, hold on. You're going to peak at, like, 38. So, it's, it's wildly interesting in, like, the different industries with this, you know, where if you stick with your current role and do what you have done, that your peak is already happened well before you even start to consider it, which is, is fascinating, A. B, his biggest thing is how do you get to the second curve? Um, and I guess where I'm going with this is that it's almost like you have inherently done that, right? You've removed the piece where you need to build the
1: brand like you just said. Um, time will tell, but I'm, but I'm I'm motivated. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's, new and it's different and I'm learning a bunch of new things. And, um, that's,
0: that's the whole thing about the book without those components. Yeah. Right. The decline just continues to go down. And I'm not saying, um, your, your outdoor world. I'm not, I'm not comparing it to that. I'm saying if, if you had just stuck in the same. Sure. Or if I had stuck in the same role, yeah. right? Like I wouldn't I agree. have known yep. because I wouldn't be, like you said, learning, trying, willing to make a mistake or a- anyhow, I've, I, you should check it out. It's,
1: it's, I would love to check it out. It's, the, it's uh, fascinating. I think the liberty of, um, you know, building new teams for new things. Yeah. Like that's, that's motivating. Like that's fun. You know, it's fun to see people get excited about what you're doing.
0: Fun yeah. to get, yeah. I mean,
1: like the bar manager at the Manju Moose. Like you know, we had like a sample. So we have our spicy marg. It's like we're just trying to hone in on our final sort of f- formulation before we start canning. Mm-hmm. And so we've gone through this for the last six months. But now we actually have like the tote of 100 gallons. And so yeah. you know, making 10 cans versus making 3,000 cans is a very different. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, th- it's a different thing. So we're honing in on sort of like, you know, it it can't be the same as what the bar serves Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's not going to have the same alcohol content and, you know, it has to have certain ingredients that make its shelf stabilized too. But, um, you know, all of a sudden we're doing like a taste test with the bar manager and he's like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. That's really cool. You know, and he's been serving spicy margs at the manger moose for 15 years. Yeah. his dream is alive and now he sees it coming into a can and he's like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. That's, um, so building people around you to sort of like sort of get on this sort of, this, this this sort of new and innovative train on how you think of the business outside of, you know, just a bar and a restaurant has been one of the more gratifying sides of it so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, part of what what the book and, and again I'm pretty early into it but but he's he's exactly he's addressing exactly that as well he's like you know you need to chip away at the stuff that you know kind of had you um, all of the stuff you had built before and then build that strip that down so that you're free to enter into a new arena Right, makes sense. And, and not weighed down by the lessons of the past. Yep. Um, but it's, it, I, I don't know, it, it, it's fascinating because it's almost like you've run that course without, you know, I'm reading the book right now and it's almost like you're you're doing that. And then at the same time, um, you know, we, we it's a good move here to the NNN Collaborative. Right. And that,
1: again, is a is a new... You gotta stay relevant, right? Yeah, and that's. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> you gotta stay relevant in, uh, in sort of, in your passions. I guess is a good way of saying it. Absolutely. Um, and NNN is, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to have a partner who's a dear friend, like pretty much a brother. You know, in yeah. fact, we've been called brothers over and over again, and I'm like, yeah, well, he has a twin brother. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not the other brother.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but When we um, get him on here, I can't wait to, to talk about the twin stories. I mean, <laughs> right. That could be
1: the, um, so I'm fortunate enough to have sort of a partner that, um, you know, is very passionate about the things that we also love and, uh, you know, whether those are activities, but also like really in the apparel industry and really what the apparel industry is and how to do it correctly. And um, so that's sustainability, that's social consciousness, that's, Um, and so NNN is, 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 is essentially a, uh, you know, a a consulting business of our 50 plus combined years of, um, everything that we've learned. And so maybe we can steer people down a path where maybe we've made those mistakes and we can avoid those mistakes to help somebody else. Um, so it can be as simple as, you know, design and development and establishing supply chain sort of, you know, prowness, um but it also can be involved in just sort of like sales and marketing and operations too. So, um, we've, we've done a few sort of cool projects, you know, we've developed, you know, new brands that haven't launched yet. We've, uh, you know, we're, we're working on other categories for brands that haven't touched those categories yet. Um, we've done some assessments on, on some other companies of, you know, like what are they doing or not doing correctly and how can we help them sort of steer them down a strategy that might help propel their growth. Yeah. Um, and so that's been good. I mean, it's, you know, the consulting business is sort of, you know, you sort of live and die on the vine, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is uh, uh, the world I'm in right now. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, it, it's good. It, it, it allows me to sort of still... Um, you know, keep my finger on the pulse of the industry. Um, although COVID has obviously disrupted it, uh, from a big perspective.
0: Um, in but, the sense that it's just catapulted it. I mean, well,
1: I think it's catapulted it from maybe like a pro from a reach. Uh, you know, how, how do you say it? Well, it is a multifaceted challenge, right? You know, like we can go to a whole nother episode about the supply, yeah. the, <laughs> the whole exactly. supply chain yeah. challenges, but, um, one thing that has certainly impacted is that the, like the trade show industry is, has changed because, yeah. because of COVID for obvious reasons, because of the social gathering component of it. Um, we can argue whether that's good or bad or whatever, but one way of looking at the trade show industry and certainly in the outdoor industry is that it's a time when the industry comes together and the community comes together and that component is really not around as strong as it was, prior to COVID, right? Yeah. So um, you don't have that sort of same community feel. So you have to find that community in from a regional perspective, which is probably stronger today than it's ever been because it's dependent from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a national component, it's just very different. Like we don't get to see each other the way that we used to see each other because not everyone goes to as ratios anymore. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And also, I mean and you can correct me on this, but it seems like direct to obviously it's here, but it, it's also growing.
1: No question. Um, and I think I am a firm believer in it clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, uh, I still, I mean, may call me old fashioned, but like, I still think that there's like an experience of walking into a retail store. You know, there's still like that instant gratification. It's, talking to someone who kind of knows what you're, you know, like once people can like leave the ego at the door that you're like the expert and everything. Yeah. You actually have a really nice experience in a retail store. So I think that wholesale market is really important still. Um, I it certainly hasn't gotten easier, but I think it's an important component of it. And WorldCast would be a great example of that, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. You, I mean, you, you know, you guys built a you know, you, you built a store and a meeting place that people like to return to.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I think will be very, I mean, time will tell, but th- that'll be very interesting because, um, yeah, I mean, it's headed, it's headed that way. I mean, I, maybe, maybe not, but I, I, I do think right. Direct to consumer with some, some of that at a certain level, but how will the future define that? Because I agree with you. You know, I mean, one of the things that I find, oh, you know, well, there's a lot of things that I find very surprising about my, um, you know, new, new life right now. But one of them is that I really, um, I really miss, obviously, all of the people that I work with, but, but the fly shop itself, like that actual like to be able to walk out of my office and peruse product right. that I'm passionate about. Like that never even entered into my brain. Sure. That that would be something that would that would leave like a large void. Like obviously the locker room aspect of it and oh, the rest of that the shit. stories. Uh, yeah. All, the f- all of that the stuff. The fish story. Yeah. But-, but
1: you're right. I mean, I would say like that was my experience when I worked for REI when I was in my late twenties is all of a sudden I'm at my fingertips. Yeah. I have all the coolest things that I want to go play with. Yeah. You know, and all that did was motivate me to go climb the volcanoes and ski off the summits of volcanoes and, you know, paddle the rivers and, you know, fish the rivers and like all those things. So that retail experience, I think, is critical still. Yeah. Um, now, of course, the the lesser, like the weaker ones are, are, are not going to survive. Mm-hmm. But the stronger ones are going to prevail. Sure. And certainly they've consolidated, you know. But that, um, you know, I, I, I used to tell this. I mean, I remember being in like my 30s and going fishing a new place right Mm -hmm. and you walk into a fly shop and you're like you don't want to be told what to do in a fly shop yeah because you've already you know you've been fishing all your life like i know what bugs i'm fishing and whatever and so you sort of walk in there and like you don't want to be told what to do or or what or what fly to grab because you already have them right well i think in my older age i walk into a fly shop and i just leave that at the door yeah (laughs) And I want to be like, hey man, like so, what's going on around here? You yeah, know? I'm like you engage, you know, and you Absolutely. and you you hear about their expertise, and if they're going to send you down some path because they have the, then so be it. But I think as you as you get older, like I think it's almost our duty as fishermen to go into the local fly shop and support that local business.
0: Yeah, I uh, I have a rule of thumb, like I will never. I will never walk into a standalone fly
1: shop and not spend money. Right. I feel the same way. Yeah. I, and I, I don't care if I buy a crokey or three flies or a new tippet or whatever, but I think it's, I think that's an important uh, part of supporting a local business. Yeah. There
0: are exceptions. I mean, if there's just someone that's being a total douche when you, of course, the door. but I mean, that was actually one thing that I was just always would preach like you're, it's not, you're not in the business of how cool you are Right. right. You, you're in the biz, you're in a you're a you're you're a waiter that serves fishing products
1: everybody should work retail or be in the restaurant business yeah. at some point in their <laughs> totally. life you know it's like selling skis to a guy who walks in you're like so what kind of skier are you i'm an expert skier and you're like i have no idea what that means <laughs> you know like like no like, i'm a really good skier i'm like all right like yeah, <laughs> we need to we need to we need to hone in on this one a little bit yeah. more.
0: Well, fortunately, I was able to narrow that down. Like, if you if you come out of the gates with that show, it's like, all right. Well, then he's not right. So, how can we uh, how can we still help?
1: Well, well, this thousand dollar rod would look great right <laughs> on in your
0: arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> and you definitely need to start with four of them. <laughs> right. Um. Well, what's uh what do you, what's on tap this spring? What what do you got? Um, coming up. Are you what are sticking around?
1: I'm sticking around. I For the first time uh, in a long time, I'm here for spring break. Oh, wow. Because my children are coming home That's from school. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, I'm here. We could use some snow. Yeah, right? Um, But, you know, going to Thermopolis last weekend was kind of a nice uh, shift in direction. Although, um, it's just one of those crazy, weird, wacky... You know, environmental things going on right around here. It's like been freezing cold with no snow, and you sort of get excited for spring, but spring's not coming yet. No, not even. I mean, this seems like the kind of, kind of year where we'll have like a blizzard in June or something, you know? Yeah, it's, it. yeah, exactly. That's, um, there's
0: probably no doubt about that. It seems like everything's coming a little more extreme. Yeah.
1: I mean, well, uh, Yeah. It's, uh, it's unpredictable, I guess at this point. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, we're, we're, we're around and then we'll see, we'll see what the world brings. I have no, uh, you know, trying to live, trying to live a little bit more day by day and enjoy the simple pleasures. That's, you got to read this book. That's exactly what, uh, you know, trying not to be overwhelmed by, you know, teenagers and, you know, life expectations yeah <laughs>
0: and that's probably a hard one i'm I'm a little ways off from yeah, that but yeah
1: don't well, know we can all uh yeah again just gravitating towards new things
0: yeah learning right? right well listen man this is uh this has been great I really appreciate your time well, i appreciate you having me i can't uh i can't thank you enough and um where can people go to uh to reach
1: you mangy moose mangy moose um yeah mangy moose is probably the easiest place to get me noah at mangy moose.com there you go or um yeah that's uh and 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 keep uh keep your eyes out you know for new mangy moose products yeah and um spicy marg coming hot it'll be a different it'll be a different conversation a year from now hopefully
0: awesome man we'll uh we'll we'll do this again and um We'll, we'll get the, uh, we'll compare. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, All man. Right. Thanks, Mike. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Permit to Think. My hope is this podcast offers meaningful conversations and stories from the fringe of societal norms. Be sure to subscribe and support the podcast by leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it is you use. For more information, head on over to the website at permittothink.com. And also forward this to anyone you feel might dig it out.